Oh no! After the first, after the first ACL tear, they they were like, "All right, what are you gonna do now? Like, what's the plan?" I was like, "I'll be back next season." And then it happened, it didn't happen again. And they were like, "All right, so you you you're officially done now, right?" I was like, "No, I said I got meetings tomorrow." Well, everybody, welcome back. You couldn't get rid of us. It's week two of our Westcon football podcast. Bart Basterna, along with Coach Joe Loth, the man, the myth, the legend, is here. And uh, he's, once again, rocking a more contemporary Westcon uh, apparel motif. I continue to go retro because that's all I got in my closet. And... Uh, <laughs> And the and the bottom line is it was clean and so I wore it just for you out there. Uh, we are going to be having a very special guest. We're we're sticking in a quarterback vein, Coach. Uh, another great one. Yeah, having uh, going to talk to Dave James today, DJ, and excited to talk to him. He's in an unusual circumstance right now, and uh, I think everyone will be kind of excited to hear where he's at, what he's doing, and and uh, you know learn a little bit more about DJ. Oh. He is certainly one of the best and one of those guys that you, you want to continue to follow his his path because he has chosen to continue on the gridiron. Um, just to bring some stuff up to date because somebody asked me during the course of this week, um, you know, that they – did you guys mention – did somebody mention former Westcon coach and coach at – Many stops, Syracuse, UConn, et cetera. Uh, Paul Pascaloni, is he is he still coaching? And the, the word is yes, he's working with the Carolina Panthers. Correct. So we want to clarify that, that he is back in the NFL. He, is, uh, he has floated seamlessly from the collegiate ranks into the pros low these these many, many years. And uh, I, the, the Panthers will be better. For having a man around, he's just a font of knowledge, Coach. Without a, without a doubt. Maybe in my lifetime, one of the best college-slash-pro coaches, you know, top to bottom that, that I've ever seen or met or, or been around. Doesn't leave a stone unturned, which is it, that's it, the hallmark of a lot of great coaches. Look, I, I know how many late nights you and your staff put in to uh, to make sure you've got the the eyes dotted, the t's crossed, and all that stuff before heading uh, heading into games, kind of a Westcon trademark, and it's a trademark if you want to be uh, in this profession, right, Coach? Without a doubt, it's a, an unusual profession. Uh, I always say college football is a zero sum game, and everyone's like, "What does that mean?" That means every week someone's going to win and someone's going to lose, and uh, the one thing you don't want to do is lose a football game because you're outworked. So there's this. Uh, this propensity in this business that I ain't going to get outworked by that guy. He's looking at me saying, I ain't going to get outworked by that guy, outworked by that guy. And, and uh, so you're doing everything you can in your power, whether it's recruiting, whether it's X's nose, everything to make sure that you are doing everything you can to beat the guy across the field from you. Right. And it's, it's all for the benefit of the players and the program and ultimately the institution that you, uh, that you work for, that you approach it that way. And it's such an incredible positive. And speaking of positives, uh, lacrosse teams have gotten off to a good start here at Westcon for their seasons. Yes, they both undefeated. 
But little snag for the men's lacrosse team last night. Flight got delayed, still on campus, hoping to get down to Florida today. Well, and that leads me to my next question. Baseball gets to go down south. Softball gets to go down south. Lacrosse teams headed down down south. When you know when do you get your your southern game coach? Well, I'll tell you what. We could always do a non-conference anyway. But what we get that they don't get is training camp. Yeah, two weeks before school to prepare to team build to do all those things. So. I would definitely take what we have coming in before school starts, then, you know, middle of the year, head down, play a couple games on spring break. So you don't you don't need that game in the Orange Bowl? Or... Do not need it. We could always play a non-conference <laughs> against anyone in the country, so we could travel if we wanted. No, I, I realize yeah. that. I'm just, yeah. I'm just joking. It's, and really, if you uh, – because teams in the Northeast are handicapped to a certain degree, if you want to get your teams ready, if you want to do right – by the student athlete in your program, then you you kind of have to have that that warm weather warm up before you get into the brunt of your schedule. Conference schedules are are tough enough, and as we all know, those are the ones that count for automatic bids. Without a question, you try to use non-conference for a variety of reasons. Some of them usually are to get ready for conference play to put you in a position to be successful for those. Well, so you mentioned you know, the cross uh, doing well. Softball's been hanging in there. Baseball, and I talked to uh, pitching coach Chris Arcanti before the season, and uh, I, I said, "Coach, got yourself some arms." And he, he, you know, Chris will always downplay it, but I actually saw the glint in the eye, and he was like, he was looking forward to the, the pitching crew that he was bringing down there with head coach. Uh, John Susie for their uh, their Southern Swing, and uh, they they look look like they have some some folks who could toss the old horse hide. And that's always the key to our baseball team, right? We can always hit the ball. You know, if we can get some arms, we're always going to be pretty good. And it's just always just like any I guess anybody in baseball finding pitching is the key, like finding a quarterback, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And baseball's back. Major League Baseball. Is uh, is back? Yeah, I don't think anybody missed it because they didn't miss any games. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm excited that baseball is back myself. But uh, you know, uh, I, I I'll wait till the games get played. I don't watch a lot of spring training or anything. Okay, all right. Hey, uh, me, I watch the transactions. Yeah. You know, to see where everybody's going to land. One thing that delay did was delay a lot of people signing contracts. Yeah. So uh, people are wheeling and dealing already. Free agents are getting signed and. I, I I hate to say this, but I think fans have already forgotten there was a, a labor dispute. Without a question. And I'll, <laughs> I'll say this to my uh, Yankees fans, uh, friends that are Yankees fans. Uh, we'll have a typical year in Cleveland, probably. We'll have the lowest payroll in baseball. You'll have the highest payroll in baseball. And we'll lose you in the first round of the playoffs, and you'll lose in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> Everybody has to kind of get there first. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to so many things that are uh, that are transpiring. As uh, and now March Madness is really here. For hoops, you got any dog in a fight besides Duke? No, you know I like Duke. Obviously, I haven't watched a lot of college basketball this year. I've, like I said, in the last four or five years since they went the, to the one and done format in college basketball, the best players I haven't watched as much. So I'll follow the tournament. 
I think Thursday and Friday this week is a couple of the best days in sports in the country every year, March Madness, but I haven't watched a lot of college basketball. Gave UConn a high seat and shipped them out west. What are they seated? I don't even know. I, I think they ended up, may have ended up with a five or something okay. like that. Yeah, but uh, shipped them out west. Yeah, I saw Duke was a two, you know, and, and like I said, I'd love to see them win it all. And uh, Cleveland State make the, the bracket this year? Do you know? Did they I, win the prize? I have to look at the the whole bracket because there's some. St- I'm still shocked that Texas A&M is not in. Yeah, that's you know talking about Tina plays a plays a real schedule. Yeah, and 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 goes at it every night. And to not have them in there. But, oh. if, but if you're in Connecticut, what's more important than that? UConn women's basketball. Well, yes. And, of course, everybody says, ah, you gotta got to wait till the other recruits come in. And there are these other t- – throw it up in the air. It's, it's March Madness time. And, look, how many years has Gonzaga been there? Yeah. You know, either as a, a number one – or one of those teams you say, oh, this has got this is it's got to be yeah. the Zags this time around, and it hasn't happened. Yeah, but I, I agree with that a little bit. And if you look at Gonzaga, they've gone from a obviously a mid major to kind of a, a dominant power. They're like a blue blood now. I mean, they're considered one of the elite teams in the country. They've done everything but win it at all. Scary place to go to, though, Coach. If you've ever been yeah, out there, never been out there. Oh man, it's like it's like you, you talk about. Going to Gothic castles is <laughs> and the the couple of times I've been out there to Gonzaga itself, it it rained every day, and secondly, I was waiting for the vampires right. I, because it is it was just like ooh this is so gloomy. But then once you get once you get in the joint to play hoops. Whole different universe. Oregon or Washington? What state is it? Washington. Washington. Yes. Yes. Spokane. Um, You're gonna you're gonna get me on that because the only thing I know are the wine regions (laughs) of the state of Washington. (laughs) But anyway, when we return, we're gonna be joined by by David James, and we we mentioned earlier he's got a a whole different avenue that he's taken, and in fact. It's been a bit of a wild ride because uh, COVID interrupted one international stop and now some other things are going on um, overseas and he's at a second international stop. But this is, uh, this is one of your, your best and brightest guys, a guy who went to high school locally, uh, grew up in, in the Stanford area of Connecticut, and um, gee, it's... You wish every day you could walk in your office and see athletes of this nature. No question. And uh, what what Bart's referring to is obviously David James. And DJ, two years ago at this time, literally almost this month, this week, he was uh, had signed to play quarterback at, in Austrian NFL. I'm sorry, in the European League, in one of the best leagues over there. And COVID hit. And he almost got stuck over there with international flights and being an ex, ex, expatriate and stuff like that. Uh, we were able to get him back to the United States, or they were able to get him back. And two years later, he is now in Poland. And obviously Poland is bordering Ukraine, and we're going through the watching the Ukraine-Russia uh, war going on right now. So it's just he is definitely Johnny on the spot when it comes to international you know, chaos going on. And, and it'll be interesting to talk to DJ here uh, in, the, in our next segment. There could be a movie about this someday. Definitely could. You know? And the traveling quarterback, David James, will be with us when we return the WestCon 
Football Podcast. Stick around. I think you're, you're going to want to hear from DJ. Welcome back, everybody. The West Camp Football Podcast. Bart Pasterna, Coach Joe Loth is here. And live from Poland, it is DJ David James, former West Camp quarterback and now playing pro ball overseas. How you doing, DJ? All is well, all is well. Thank you guys so so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I love what you guys are doing and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Man, Coach Loth was mentioning the, your travels. He can run through them with you and, and let us <laughs> let us know how this this journey has begun. Because originally, you a couple of years back, you had set sail for for Austria, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was yes, crazy, sir. right? Two years sure. ago, uh, about this time exactly, I was talking right. to DJ Ozzy's over in Austria. And when COVID hit and you were almost thought you're going to be stuck over there, right? Like you were worried about getting yep. back. Two years later, you're back in the middle of a, another <laughs> potential situation where now you're over in Poland. So, I mean, you want to kind right. of walk us through those situations? Yeah, for sure. Um, right after right after uh, the Western Connecticut season ended, we got the, got the call that a team was interested. One of the top teams in uh, all of Europe, uh, the Sparkle Raiders. Had a great opportunity to go over there, uh, represent WestCon. Um, everything was going great. Practice was going great. And then uh, COVID hit about a week before the season was about to kick off. So we went to training camp, uh, everything. It was go time. We were prepping, scouting. Um, and then COVID hit um, in Austria. And we were actually stuck there in the house for about an entire month to where after about 4 p.m., you can't be outside or they were giving you like a $300 ticket. So we were just in the house the entire month to the point where it was like, hey, we can't we can't do anything. This is an unfamiliar space. We got to, you know, just best for us to go home. And then now fast forward to now um, here in Poland, another great opportunity to play for a, a top organization. Um, again, going through training camp, preparing for the season. The first game is scheduled for the first weekend of April. Um, so it's getting closer and closer. But now, you know, as we've all seen that there's pretty much a war next door in the next campus kind of type of thing. So it's it's tough because being aware of what's going on is you have to think about safety now, um, you know, what's, and what's the best situation to be in. Right now, Poland isn't really um, – they're calm, surprisingly, about what's going on. They're still aware and still, you know, taking in people from Ukraine, but – it's still close, you know, and I got family members who are kind of worried and want me to come home and I really want to play football. Um, but I do understand the things that are going on. So it's, it, it's tough. <laughs> it's very tough. So hey, DJ, is that affecting your daily life at all? Like, no, sir. Okay. No, sir. No, nothing has changed. Practice is still scheduled. We're still bringing in um, new teammates. You know, people are still flying in from, you know, UK and stuff like that. Uh, people that were signing another player just came about two weeks ago from America. So it, nothing has really changed. Like Poland is going on with their every day. So it's, it kind of has me calm because Poland is calm, but it's still, you have to be aware of what's going on. Like this is a serious situation. Yeah. How close are you to the uh, border, the Ukrainian border, border from your town? 
So luckily we're on the west of Poland. So luckily I'm ways away. Um, my thing is once it enters Poland, like I, I gotta, <laughs> no, I gotta make, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta make a choice. I gotta just head home. I'm sure I'll get another opportunity, but um, yeah, luckily I'm a, I'm a out the way, but still close. DJ, so. we we had Will Arndt on recently on the podcast, and he talked about the difference of uh, playing in Canada as opposed to playing U.S. ball. Is there are there differences between the Polish league and playing here in the U.S. in terms of the game itself? Um, yes, to an extent where um, the experience is very limited. You know, even with you know guys at Westcon, these guys have been playing since elementary school, middle school, you know, top guys in high school, so stuff like that, where overseas, these guys are with these organizations their entire career. You know, so if you're from Poland, you join the organization, you're on this team the entire time. Like, there's no, all right, I finished high school. Like, these are, I got 17-year-olds on my team, and I also got, you know, some people who are low 30s who are also on the team. Um, so it's just certain things where luckily I have a, a coach who can, who understands the game and studies the game. Um, but I also kind of bring in my own type of input where I can kind of get him to see things differently or not differently, but from a quarterback perspective, which is super helpful, but it's a lot of teaching where the American players are somewhat coaches. Like we have huge input on the organizations because they use us to teach the younger generation, like, hey, teach these guys how to the proper way to run routes. Hey, teach the quarterbacks to how to take the proper drop, drop uh, the drop back, and you know, open up their hips and stuff like that. So, they they truly use us um, as coaches. DJ, a little bit. Explain to everyone kind of how many teams are in your league and kind of what European football is like. And it's something that I have over the years. To, obviously uh, realize there's a lot of football being played in Europe and most people don't understand how many teams, the level of play and all those things over there. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I could, I really couldn't believe it out of um, once contacted after the West kind of season and kind of doing my research. And I'm like, there's football in Brazil, there's football in, I'm getting the email from Egypt and it's, it's football, every uh, like American football everywhere, Spain, um, where the Sparko Raiders are, you know, the top team. And in their league, it's about, it's usually about eight teams, coach. It's usually yeah. about eight teams in each league. Um, top leagues are the Austrian Football League, the GFL, the German Football League, and then the Polish Football League. But now they have the, uh, they call it the ELF. should be the EFL, but it's the ELF, which is the European League of Football. But those are the top teams in Europe, and they made their own um, league where you're allowed four Americans where usually other, t- other teams like mine, you're allowed two Americans, Austria, you're allowed um, two Americans on the field at a time. So you usually get a quarterback and somebody on defense and then that's about it. And that's people don't realize one of the reasons why the NFL was looking to play more games overseas was because there's football there, the average fan doesn't realize that, so they've been limited to some of the the games in the UK and Britain. But there's going to be a game in Germany uh, eventually uh, coming up. You know, besides 
Mexico, etc. So uh, the NFL is trying to capitalize on the fact that they wouldn't be playing this game if it wasn't popular there, right, David? Absolutely, absolutely. I think they have a they have a um, a field in I believe is it London somewhere in, somewhere in UK. Um, I think the Jaguars played last year. They usually have like two games a year over there. Um, it's it's really it's huge. Like it's still shocking to me. Like the the stadiums are Division One stadiums, full of fans. We have signing days. They got you know fire machines during the entrance. It's it's things that are I'm just so not necessarily used to. And I'm like this is they have this out here available for for us and you know some people don't even know about it. Yeah, so think, it, it's a great experience. Yeah, I think if you look back at the NFL Europe, which is I think in the 80s or 90s, when uh, yeah. the NFL tried to put, they actually had a league over there that the where it was the most popular was Germany, was those yeah. uh, Middle European countries, and became super popular over there. And uh, I think that's why it's as popular as now is there's a bunch of kids that kind of grew up on the sport a little bit without without yeah. us even knowing it. Kurt Warner yeah. made his bones there. <laughs> and they have um they have the NFL has this program where they have to bring in at least 10 people from Europe. Um with the Sparkle Raiders, they had a running back who ended up signing to the Giants. Um there's a fullback from the Patriots who's from UK. So it's kind of they set up this program where it's the NFL kind of has to kind of hey Let's work with these people from UK. They don't necessarily have um, the tools that we do in America, but they are talented. So let's at least give them a program to where, give them a workout. Um, if you're interested, you sign them, practice squad, etc. So they have about four to six um, players from UK that's in the NFL right now. And they have that program every year. So you have to, they grab a bunch of people every year. This has been a great journey for you, David. Yes, and, and talking with a coach before, we started chatting with you. Uh, you went through an awful lot to get to this particular point. You've you, you battled injuries. Uh, you come in, you necessarily weren't going to be the number one guy at QB for for WestCon. But, boy, did you accomplish a, a heck of a lot. You overcame a lot of obstacles to be WestCon's number one signal caller. Yes, sir. Um, it's it's funny. Um, I had a kind of like an interview yesterday and I told them, you know, just going through the journey. And then once I got to college and, you know, two ACL tears and then finally I was healthy enough to compete. And coach had us do make it take it in the middle of the game, like to win a, to win a starting job, which is it's kind of unheard of. But it was it was great. Because it forced you to, and it was between three quarterbacks, so it made you have to, hey, you have to succeed this drive. So it forced me to lead, you know, even though the O-line, we were seeing different faces and receivers weren't necessarily too used to me, it forced me to lead and just build that trust with my guys. And um, I'm just happy that, you know, it worked out. I'm just happy it worked out. It was a great experience at WestCon. Still, I still talk to my alignment too. Like, hey, when we go on to lunch, so it built a great relationship. Yeah, you you bought them all porterhouse steaks back in the day, right? Your offensive. Uh, it was it was pizza and Chick Fil A. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, speaking to that story of DJ, I mean, that's a true story. 
And really what was interesting about that story is as DJ came out there, uh, you know, we didn't know, being all honest here as coaches, how good DJ actually was because when you play football in college, you never get tackled in practice. You never really face a live pass rush. You never really see some of the things that make quarterback special. One of the things that made DJ special is an extreme calmness in the pocket, very similar to Quinn that we had before. His ability to really stand in the pocket like a Ben Roethlisberger at our, our level and really you know stand there and deliver the football. And really, us as coaches were not able to recognize what made him great during practice. And once he was given that opportunity to start, like like that was week one against Dean College is, is when we played make it, make it take. And DJ actually wasn't the starting quarterback that day. First guy really struggled in the first half. He was like three of 15 for like 26 yards. At halftime, we called them all up and said, hey, we don't know who our starting quarterback's going to be. We're going to, you know, everyone's going to get a series. If you're successful, you'll stay out there. Game ended. DJ kind of managed the game. And us as coaches didn't make it crazy because we're going to win the game. We're winning the game pretty handily anyways, running the football, playing defense. And then game ended. We're like, hey, let's. uh, we think DJ's our guy. We go out week two. DJ throws for about 350 yards against Plymouth State. And then he went like 17 and four or whatever as a starter or 16 and four and had a great career for us. And, you know, the lesson uh, learned as coaches is how do you figure out those intangibles that you can't see in practice because – Quarterbacks are never live. I mean, they're never live because you never want to lose a guy. So uh, he's a great testament of, of you know, finding a way to become our starting quarterback, taking advantage of it, and then us winning a ton of games because of him. And David, was your family always comfortable with you playing football, especially after you endured some some injuries in the game? Oh, no. After the first, after the first ACL tear, they, they were like, all right, what are you going to do now? Like, what's the plan? I was like, I'll be back next season. <laughs> and then it happened, it didn't happen again. And they were like, all right, so you, you're, you're officially done now, right? I was like, no. I said, I got meetings tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it was always um, – this was always the goal. Like, I, I felt like there was always going to be a bigger purpose. So I always wanted to – I felt like I owed it to myself to – I got to I gotta see this through. And luckily it worked out. You had a pretty solid – cast working with you in those West Kong days too that, that that has to make it a little bit a little bit easier you weren't you weren't looking at coming back and seeing a, a bear covered there was still a wealth of talent there for you to work with yeah um one of the the major I think coach made it super easy for me even after after my second um ACL tear because after I um you know, just maturing and was like, hey, coach, I'm still be in meetings. He's like, okay, so you're going to be in the booth this year, every game. So then that helped me see um, the game from my offensive coordinators and just like a bird's eye view, which helped. And then plus being able to talk to guys still like like Will Arndt and pick his brain and talk to guys like Quinn Fleeting and still having meetings with coach early in the morning before, before class and then meeting with coach after my night class. Coach was there all day. I don't know how I did it. He was, he was there all day. <laughs> but it, it it helped plus, you know, with myself once I got healthy. And I wasn't the starter, but I was like, hey guys, let's meet at the field on Saturday. Let's let's just get a workout in. Let's let's seven on sevens. And then that kind of built something with the team where it was like, okay, we're all on the same page, what we want to do. We all want to compete. We all want to win. We all want to um, you know, 
lead the culture the right way for the next class and stuff like that. So it, it's, it definitely worked out. It definitely worked out. For you, how important was it, though, to uh, to make sure that you got the, the academics in? It's not easy to balance the two. It can be tough sometimes for an individual, but – uh, you know, you're you're one of those guys who's a testament to to getting it done, even through some difficult times. Yeah, um, it just it took some maturing. It took some maturing for sure. Um, once I became like a upperclassman, like my junior to senior year, and just conversations with coach. Um, if you're a leader on the football team, you're like if you're a leader, you're a leader. So that includes the classroom. I can't tell guys like hey let's let's run through this wall like let's we're gonna do what we have to do to win and then I'm failing classes that's not really a leader so I I wanted the I wanted to be a, a leader in totality like someone for who the freshman can look up to and ask questions um luckily I worked in a, um, the registrar's office for about three years so they were they were on me about grades because they had the first they had they had the access to actually look at them so um that they helped uh, a lot the um, Allison Greenwood, uh, her, her last name was different, but Miss um, Allison Pelosi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she helped out. She helped out a ton. So uh, Westcon has everything laid out for you to be successful. It's all on if you're going to take advantage of those um, resources. So you know, I've took advantage of those resources and it, it worked out. And I'm a Westcon graduate and you know, just happy. Everything's going going well. So how far do you want to take this? I, I know we, we have to live in the moment right now, but how far do you want to take? Because, you know, we, we again, I'll bring up Will Orn, who's now gone to a, a different level and he's, and he's become a coach now. You're already in a situation where you're like a player coach. Yeah. Um, as far as I'm going to take, I want to take it as far as, just where people know that this opportunity is out there. Like, Will aren't playing in the CFL, myself playing overseas, uh, Devin Smith and um, Fletcher, like just seeing those guys be, being able to know that these opportunities are out there and then actually go explore it, it's just, it's just great. It's just great to let them know that you can continue your, your football career. It doesn't have to end um, after college. You know, if you do it the right way, um, kind of, get your name out there, they'll, they'll find you. And then plus myself now being in, um, involved with the professional football overseas, I kind of know the format. So now I can help the next generation, you know, the next seniors and stuff like that. And that's, that's what I want to do. As long as I can keep playing. I mean, I'm, I'm getting paid to travel. It's, 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 it's great. It's, it's great. And uh, eventually I want to coach. You know, I'm learning a lot. I, I pick Coach Lofbrand a lot. Like, hey, Coach, what, what you think about this formation and this play and this this read? So I, eventually I may uh, step into that field, but, you know, right now I'm just a quarterback. So you've been a, a, a Wolverine, you've been a Colonial, and now you're a Rebel, right? I'm a Rebel now, yes. Yes, sir. So it's, it, you know, you'll next time we chat with you, you'll have to rock the – the the rebel gear, so we could we get oh he's got he's got something. Hello, there you go. Hello, sure thing. It's my pleasure. It's, <laughs> it's it's like 
it's like cowboys meet Eastern Europe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, oh, I don't know. You like the look, Coach Law? I like the look. I'm surprised you're allowed to use Rebel over there. And uh, I guess that's just canceled <laughs> over here in the United States, not over in Europe. <laughs> hey, Coach, hey, Coach I don't think we got any colonials over here. <laughs> yeah, I think they didn't like the colonials, especially on the English side of the of the, of the lake there. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, man. It's so, so when officially will your season open up, or is when's it scheduled to open up? Uh, the first week is the weekend of April, which is April third. You guys home or away? We're home for the first two okay. two weeks. Um, and then we're away. We actually had our first joint practice with the team that we're, is projected to be in the championship, now, which was pretty good. Now, is there an opportunity to watch us, like, with a live cast or a live stream or something like that? Yes. Um, all of our games, luckily, are going to be live streamed on YouTube. Um, so it's pretty pretty easy to to be able to follow. They release it about a couple hours before the game. So I'll be able to, you know, to share it with yeah, um, uh, with everyone. So definitely be able to to stream it. And people can look for Salizo Rebels, and and yes, uh, and and maybe maybe there'll be a website where we we can all rock Rebels gear, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm I'm bringing Coach uh I'm bringing Coach a uh, a Celestia Rebel with the the James number one on it too. So they got they got fan jerseys. So I wear that proudly now. <laughs> well, man, I, I have to tell you, this is—it's great. It's—it's it's marvelous uh, to to know that the games will be available on YouTube. Because unfortunately, yes, that we we can't get a charter flight, you know, <laughs> to to bowl it in time for the game. Couldn't line that up. But it'll be great that people can continue to follow you. And, and yes, I know, sir. coach, and I want to wish you the the absolute best. You guys are in touch. A heck of a lot. It was so marvelous to see on the football field here at Westcon. It's going to be even more of a pleasure. It's 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 like seeing your the kids grow up. You know, going to, <laughs> going to that next step and that next level almost brings a tear to the eye here, David. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I always I always loved hearing your voice as well. Basketball games, football games. Sometimes I watch the. Uh, the uh, the old Westcon games that were on YouTube and stuff like that, and just hearing your voice is just is legendary, honestly. So I appreciate you for everything that you do, at Westcon man. You're the, you're the man. Checks in the mail, David. Checks in the mail. <laughs> you know, it may it may take a little time to get there, but checks in the mail. All right, we, yes, we appreciate that, Joe. Some final thoughts for David? No, I appreciate you coming on today. We'll be in touch, obviously, and uh, looking forward to watching your season this year, William. Really David, thanks yes, so sir. much, man. You take care, stay safe, stay well. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Take care. Okay. Going to wrap up this edition of the West Con Football Podcast. Bart Pisterna, Coach Joe Loth, and uh, Jeepers, before you know it, spring is here. No and, question. And that means football. Spring football and in Division Three spring football a little bit different this year. Last year was the first time in spring we could put the, the pads on and the helmets on and all that stuff and have a traditional spring practice, like really every other level of football. And then this year they passed some legislation where we can put helmets on, like NFL OTAs for the first 12, and then put uppers on for the last four. 
And uh, so we're excited as coaches uh, and, and our team is to really go out there and get better this spring, truly get better and being able to develop ourselves. All right. So Coach Stanley coming up. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say that because it's Division three how the recruiting wars have really gone. But we, you have to have an idea that you, you're going to have some bodies coming in. It's, you usually do well on that front. Well, I'd say recruiting at this level is no different than any other level. I mean, you're trying to identify the best available talent that can be successful athletically, athletically and academically at your school. And, uh, you know, we go out there and visit schools like every other level and you get them to visit campus and you write them letters and you call them and, you you know, you do everything you can to, to get the best recruits here. And, and there's always a series of teams. If you're recruiting New York, you're going against the uh, SUNY schools. If you're in New Jersey, you're going to get the, against the NJAC schools. In Connecticut, you're going against a lot of New England schools and some New York schools. So it's there's definitely a process no different at this level than any other level, just not as nationally known when you sign a good guy. But, you know, with Twitter now, you got a good player, and he commits to your school. He's posting it, and all the other teams know who he is and everything. And, and I've seen them <laughs> – Balloons, this, that, the other thing. Did, did, did that happen back in the day? When no, no, that that didn't happen in the day. And you know, it, it's you know, I think kids like to, to announce where they're going, and and I think it's pretty cool that they have the ability to sign a little letter and announce where they're going. And some kids are low key, don't want to do that, and other kids are are proud. Not, I don't want to say proud, but just want to. You know, they have a school signing at a kid yesterday at, at Cornwall High School in New York. Uh, they had a signing day, and we had a guy coming here, a couple guys going to Cortland and stuff like that. So all good stuff. Beautiful. And one other thing I do want to mention, quick shout-out, former WestCon football standout, Jamie Prunty, didn't get to mention, going to be a Hall of Famer yeah. for, for WestCon. When things eventually happen for the latest class to be formally inducted, but the bottom line is, no taking it away. The all-time sack man is getting in. Without a question. And uh, someone I've met, uh, and I was never, I was not here when he played, but I've obviously heard the stories. And, you know, him and Greg Boucher, great sack guys here in the history of Western Connecticut football. And, and uh, so I'm excited that he's getting into the Hall of Fame and uh, well-deserved. Uh, could play it in any era. Uh, would be a dominant player in any era. Just a really good player, a great player here. Oh, yeah. And, and – Believe me, in this day and age, very hard for sack records to stand up. His has been able to stand up uh, for for quite some time. Pretty interesting. Even more impressive is his sack. His sack record is held up in an era where they didn't throw the ball as much back then as they're throwing it now. Like he, I mean, he would have had even more opportunities in this era of football. What are you, what are you talking about? Three three yards and a cloud of, <laughs> cloud of dust. <laughs> Yes, that was the, the error there. So want to send out our congrats. And that leads me into one final note, which is to say for all alum out there of the football program, or if you're a WestCon football fan, stay in touch with us. Coaches everywhere in the social media universe. And we'll, we'll gladly um, mention if you've got kids that are doing something, doing it well. Coach Loth has kids who are doing things 
Well, you were just up in uh, Massachusetts, weren't you? Yeah, my son runs track for Central Connecticut. Actually, had a good good meet, had a PR in the, uh, I think it was like the ECAC championships or whatever, had his best race ever. So I'm proud of my son. And my oldest son's a senior at Central Connecticut, uh, uh, mechanical engineer major, so tough major. So definitely proud of my two boys up there. Yeah, so we, you know, we want to know about how you, the, the kids are doing, if you've got something special coming up, if you've got business ventures, it's a great way to stay in touch. And that's one of the reasons why we're here and staying in touch with the likes of David James. We can't thank him enough for checking in and uh, can't can't say I'm, I'm, I've ever seen a Polish league football game. Now I'm looking forward to a Polish league football game. No question. And I think we've got a pretty good guest next week lined up, Rody too, Bart. Uh-oh. Hey, we can't tip people off, though. Can't tip you off, no, no. but they're going to be a, a, a really good guest. Oh, that's Well, I, I have to go. We have to run because I have to go water my ivy. And uh, <laughs> that's a, it's a slight hint. We'll be back next week with another WestCon football podcast. Bart Pasterna, the legendary Coach Joe Loth. We're here for you, and we thank you for being with us. Thanks again, Bart. The WestCon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening. WCSU.